Cinema animals. Cinema animals. Movies, animals, opinions, facts. Movies, animals, opinions, facts. Movies, animals, opinions, facts. Cinema animals. And uh, I needed the money, so I agreed to do it. What did you think of, of the original script when you saw it? I thought it was uh, ridiculous. Did you make changes uh, when you were directing the Devil Dog to the original script? No, because I wouldn't have known what to do with it. The whole thing was so ridiculous to begin with. I just followed the script and filmed it as it was written. Uh, what was it like working with the actual dog? Very difficult. Welcome back to Cinema Animals Nights, your podcast for serious discussion of animal movies. I'm your host, Simon Barrett. With me, I have Mike Lochran in Philadelphia. Hey, Simon. Hey, Mikhail. And Mikhail Britt here in Los Angeles. Good evening. I'm ready to really um, trying to just do a little meditation as we get ready for this episode. Mm. It is it is 1 p.m. where you are, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, just checking. Uh, this has been, you know, this one's been a long time coming. This is a Blu-ray that's long sat on my shelf, uh, gathering dust, and I'm I'm happy that we're here to talk about it. Before we dive into the subject of uh, this week's episode, we do have a little extra curricular critters, or at least I do. Um, everyone, you know, people have been messaging us nonstop. When are you guys going to do Cocaine Bear? Uh, when are you going to do EO? Uh, we're never going to do Concane Bear unless we do. Um, and EO, we did an episode on, but I think we forgot to post it. And uh, we didn't like it as much as Gus. Uh, so that's basically sums that up. Uh, I also did want to go to the American Cinematheque this last couple weeks ago for a series they did called uh, Hollywood on Cocaine, which is a series of films starring the famous Hollywood stunt horse, Cocaine. Uh, I've went to see the Robert Mitchum film, The Wonderful Country, which is on 35 millimeter. I wish I'd gone to more of these because it seemed really up our alley, uh, but I felt like it was worth mentioning. Whoever's programming these series seems to be a kindred spirit. So it was was cool that, you know, the before the screening, they talked a little about the stunts the horse was going to do and the acting the horse was going to do. Great performance and actually a pretty good uh, kind of, you know, lesser known Western, uh, I felt, uh, you know, not not a not a particularly like memorable film, but also like a really fast paced and kind of beautifully shot one. So had a great time with that. So you only saw just that that one. Yeah, I couldn't make it to the okay. others. I was. Okay. You know, yeah. So anyway, why but, was the horse named cocaine? One can only guess. I actually do not have a like definitive answer, but I would assume it because it's, you know, an old Hollywood thing because there's just everyone was doing a bunch of cocaine and <laughs> they named the horse that. His rider's name was Bad Chuck. Ah, well, see, there you go. Bad Chuck. Um, but that's not the subject of this week's episode. The subject of this week's episode is the 1978 CBS made-for-TV horror film Devil Dog, The Hound of Hell, directed by Curtis Harrington. Uh, I had seen this twice before. Um, <laughs> had, had either of you seen this amazing film prior, prior to now? I had never seen it. I found it on a on Instagram by a guy named the Mike Justice, who was pointing out uh, in supernatural horror films. He says, "Never doubt the superstitious Latin and our Caribbean 
domestic helper when they suspect evil is afoot. Yeah, that's a big uh, trope. Um, yeah. And then ultimately, uh, they do kind of have to go to Ecuador to get it all sorted out in this film. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we're getting ahead of ourselves, of course. Uh, any initial thoughts on Devil Dog, The Hound of Hell? Mikhail, did you watch it on Tubi? I did. You did. Was there like a burbling, gurgling sound through the whole movie yeah. on Tubi? On um, I'm really, <laughs> really glad you brought that up because I was like, do I bring this up on the air or is this just going to be like a weird thing that like they're going to not know what I'm talking about? I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So let me tell you how I how I would explain it. I would say that if you watch Devil Dog, Hound of Hell on Tubi, it sounds like during every scene, there's a hot tub that's just off camera that's just gurgling <laughs> water for 90 minutes. And I thought maybe this is just some wonderful sound design that just makes you feel nervous the whole movie. But Oh, maybe it is. We should ask Simon, actually, because it might be. <laughs> yeah, I'm right here. And uh, I can report to you that the film does not sound like that. Uh, I have matter. I have the Blu-ray uh, released by Media Blasters, uh, Shriek Show. Um, I think it's the exact same release that they put out on Bargain DVD, uh, like kind of late 90s. And parts of it are kind of transferred from, it looks like old VHS tapes. Whenever the dog takes on its ultimate demonic form and they're doing, um, I guess, video optical effects there, uh, the movie gets very, very, very digital or very, I I guess I would say analog. uh, Mm. But the rest of it looks great and sounds great. Um, I think they did go back to the negative. So it is not a a film that has a gurgling in the background. To be clear, I still thought it sounded great. Like I thought the gurgling was good. It was like a Gaspar Noe. Doesn't Gaspar Noe put uh, some indistinguishable sounds to increase the discomfort of his films? Well, I think in like Irreversible and like Soul Contra 2, he puts that like 60 hertz rumble. Uh, I think he was like one of the pioneers of just that like ominous kind of rumbling in the mm. background that makes you anxious. Uh, but then that I, got think, I think now we I think I don't know. I think Devil Dog and Curtis Harrington might have. Uh, been on to something before anyone i'm wondering it. if i'm wondering if simon would consider ever doing something like um like cooking popcorn off camera <laughs> during like, his movies or running a vacuum cleaner right off camera this film is inspiring for lots of reasons director curtis harrington now i i i admit i don't know a ton about curtis harrington again he hasn't directed that many animal movies he just did like one other one so uh not a huge director on my list but are you He's, talking about killer killer bees? I am talking about killer bees. Okay, just uh, yeah. a film about which director Curtis Harrington, not to get ahead of ourselves, said, "quote I enjoyed working with the bees in a way that I did not enjoy working with the poor dog." Um, <laughs> when discussing his two yeah, I, TV yeah, films, I mean, but, I think the feeling is mutual about between the dog and the director. Yeah, so Curtis Harrington, uh, you know, kind of a cult horror director. He did Night Tide. Um, what who slew Auntie Rue, the killing kind. Again, I, I don't know why I haven't seen more of his films because I have seen this one <laughs> repeatedly. Um, he was not proud of this film. And I found a wonderful interview with him, wonderful audio interview with him on the disc, uh, which has quotes uh, where they asked him about the script. He said, uh, I thought it was ridiculous. I wouldn't know what to do with it. It was so ridiculous. And um, and he talks about working with the dog quite a bit, too. He says Devil Dog is by far the worst TV movie ever made. Um, And he found the dog very difficult, said I wanted to use a Rottweiler, but he was told they were not intelligent enough and he had to cast a German shepherd. Um, And he said the trainer didn't know how to make him look evil and I didn't know how to make him look evil. Uh, The only thing we were able to do is hold his attention uh, with the trainer holding a ball and then he would look kind of intently off screen. I'm paraphrasing now. 
Um, and in talking about Richard Crenna, the lead actor, Curtis Harrington said uh, he also needed money or he wouldn't have done it. Um, this is why everyone uh, involved in the film. But uh, but apparently he said, um, no, it didn't come out the way I planned it at all. Uh, the special effects were laughable. He said the producer was cheap. And uh, he goes into a lot of detail about that. So these TV movies were kind of made through uh, ostensibly a licensing fee from the network. And then ideally the ones that would go on to like an international theatrical release would have like kind of deficit financing, other financing. And he said uh, the producer of Devil, who made Devil Dog was a cheap producer. That's a quote. <laughs> and uh, and refused to spend any money. So the bed scene where the dog first reveals its demonic form, um, they spent no money on. And he said it was uh, embarrassing. So he feels this is his worst film I can't speak to that because I haven't seen his other movies, but oh. it's a great movie and he has a lot to be proud of. He did a great job directing it. I mean, he's it, it's the the film is ultimately like the directing is uninspired. Sure. The, the yeah, it's pretty cheap budget, but somehow it's ultimately not a terrible movie. No, not not at all. I mean, I it's a relief to hear a, a filmmaker that made one of these movies say that he didn't like it because it sometimes the crazy making experience for cinema animals is like not understanding why mm. any of these movies exist. So it's comforting. But at the same time, I, it seems like I liked this movie better than the director did. I definitely like it better than he did. Uh, yeah. You know, the fact that he did it just as a director for hire job that he didn't want to do, and he hated the script so much that he refused to make any adjustments. That's all kind of interesting because he makes great, choices i think as a director i mean you could easily take the script and be like okay this isn't working so let's try to make it campy or you know winking or something uh and and by playing the tone totally straight it's it's a much more entertaining result in my opinion and i, I don't think it's any more absurd than any other plot of any other movie well some uh, of the I, shots of the puppies so, so maybe we should get into the, that, that. That's probably. I mean, good... it sometimes looks really absurd, but I don't think, it's, at least in the Cinemanals universe, it's no more absurd than anything else. The premise of this film raises a lot of questions. Well, yeah, it lacks any. Uh, there's a lot of stuff at the beginning with no motivation. <laughs> like, why? Yeah. Why are they? Why are these uh, seemingly wealthy people spending five thousand dollars to to get? What's the name of the devil dog? Bar Barguest? Barguest? Barguest, yeah. They're they're transferring the spirit of Barguest into this dog, create and having the dog then mate to create ten puppies, which they then just kind of disperse <laughs> around a neighborhood at random. And then it's <laughs> yeah, I but mean that... it's like <laughs> Yeah. 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 I no, mean but... you you've broken it down correctly, and I wanna I wanna examine that because that is kind of what I love about it. It, it. It's like we have a satanic sect that like maybe they didn't really figure out like the best rituals. So for some reason in all these <laughs> satanic movies, right, it's always like a young woman being impregnated, you know, with the devil's child, you know, post Rosemary's baby uh, and onward. It's always like, you know, they're trying to impregnate a, a already pregnant woman with the with like Satan's son. This cult, for whatever reason, can only do it with dogs. So already you're kind of like, okay, I guess they're like a lower tier cult. And so their whole thing is like, okay, we can't, we, we can't do anything except uh, get this like devil dog kind of reincarnated through puppies. 
and yeah, their plan is just to find like dogs that are in heat. And I guess like house by house, Satan will take over the world through these puppies, but it's, it's like really one at a time. Yeah. There is a scaling issue. Yeah. (laughs) And the guy who's giving the puppies is like his, he's a fruit truck seller. Yeah, he's like a farm farmer's market vendor who just like like, like goes, th- that's their yeah. cover up. <laughs> yeah, like he he lures you in with his like fresh fruit and then reveals that like the thing's full of puppies. <laughs> it, it, it feels like a lot could have gone wrong. Now, uh, so basically, that is the plot. Is is you know, there's this group of Satanists uh, led by um, she's she's very sultry looking in. Uh... She's a new model. Her name, I think, was Martine Beswick. Uh, her mother was uh, half Portuguese, half Japanese. Her father was uh, white. Mm. And so she did, yeah, she did a lot of nude modeling and did, did a lot of kind of interesting work. And she's she's totally credible and enjoyable in this. Again, I, the casting in this movie, uh, I think, actually really elevates it. We'll talk, I guess, a lot about uh, some of the actors in the film who went on to interesting things. But um, yeah, and, and you know, this one family. Oh, oh, it's also, by the way, I think heavily implied when they say when they talk about the family's previous dog, uh, Skipper is run over Skipper. by a car on the younger daughter Bonnie's birthday. Bonnie mm-hmm. played by Kim Richards uh, later to go on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for a number of seasons. It's a oh, lot. Wow. There's a lot. There's a lot to. Uh, wow. If you look up Kim Richards, there's there's a lot of information, interesting information about her life on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. Kim Richards, who plays the youngest daughter Bonnie, kind of, kind of in some ways. Uh, the initial kind of lead of the film before Richard Crenna's t- character really takes over. Um, yeah. I mean, among other things, she, she uh, was, I guess, dating a gentleman who was accused of defrauding, I guess about 8,000 seniors of over $150 million, which at the time would be, I, I, I think that would be twice that now. Uh, and what he was on the phone with her uh, when someone came up to him and shot him twice in the head, killing him. <laughs> during the course of that, mm-hmm. during the investigation of him. So she has had a, a interesting life after this. She is heavily featured on the DVD making of where she talks about, um, among other things, about how the trainers of this film gave her a puppy um, without telling her parents, which then grew into a much larger dog uh, that mm-hmm. they had to get rid of. So I would just uh, want to say, if she is listening to this podcast, I would like to offer some free EMDR sessions if she's interested. So oh, that's really nice. That's really generous. Well, she gave up her dog before that, so she's got all kinds of stuff going on. And she's the aunt of Paris Hilton, uh, maybe mm-hmm. bearing the lead there. Oh. So that's so this is, you know, she was a kind of, uh, I guess, celebrity from day one. Right. Um, but in I this movie, she was... she's like 12 years old. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, she's 12. Yeah, uh, yeah, something like that. Her character yeah, something like that. Her character goes from, I think, 10 to 12 over the course of the film. Um, and she starred with uh, the actor who plays her brother in Escape from Witch Mountain. That's Ike Eisenman. He is great as her older brother, uh, Charlie, in this film. He's doing one of these like kind of mature kid performances that I feel like inspired Licorice Pizza. Like I specifically mm. I would like to know if Cooper <laughs> Hoffman watched Ike Eisenman in Devil Dog when he was like preparing for that's... Licorice Pizza. That's funny because it, <laughs> it's such a specific thing. Anyway, I I thought both kids were really good in this movie. I really enjoyed I enjoyed both of them, and I, this might be working a little bit ahead. But one thing I really appreciated is that like once the dog sort of body snatches the family, um, the <laughs> I liked how subtle the differences were. Like it, they did. It's not like they become 
like murderous fiends. They're just mm. like they're just like slightly creepy. They talk about how Skipper, the family's dog, was hit by a car on the daughter's tenth birthday, prior to her being offered a puppy by a uh, farm salesman or whatever. Uh, but they say this black station wagon came out of nowhere, hit the car, and went going. So I think it's assumed that Satanists not only uh... not only did they set up this girl to get the puppy that they killed her existing uh, dog right. so she would be in the market for a puppy now you'd think yeah, they would, would just go to a they could have gone to a family that didn't yet have a dog and then they don't have to kill a dog that's like extra work it's very confusing why they would choose this family well, that's especially yeah. why since... you were thinking there might be some reveal i don't know something at the end of the movie to tie it i don't know i don't know what it would have been but something to tie it together it's like why this family or but yeah why them like that. yeah yeah so, so you get some kind of wonderful scenes of the puppy being like having like a green glow in its eyes and kind of like terrifying people. And it's, it's really cute. Uh, there's no other way to put it. It's got little the floppy ears. Very cute. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. It's paws are huge. Cause it's a little German shepherd puppy. It's great. These scenes are, are really strong in my opinion. Any scene where it's the puppy being scary is, is like a plus. A little, I just want to do a sidebar now. Do, do you two remember like satanic panic in the 80s? Yeah. Do you remember growing up and like hearing stories or, or about, you know, like in my town, there was, I remember there was like this abandoned building where I heard somehow that people would do satanic rituals there and kill cats and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I remember, yeah, we've lived through two satanic panics and uh, people do tend to forget the first one. What's the second one? Well, the QAnon one that's kind of going on now, like oh, the, like, the kind of Pizzagate and all that stuff. And one of the first question marks that I had in the movie was, you know, the their maid Maria is scared by this puppy, tries to warn uh, Mister Barry, the dad, and then she ends up, I guess, being burned alive inside their house. Which mm-hmm. you yeah. don't quite. It's like it's the first time in the movie where there's like. Uh, violence that's just like kind of implied and then we just move right past it and it's Very a fast. year later yeah. and it's like yeah. wait 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 your maid yeah. uh, warned you about this dog and then she burned which also I was like why was she wearing a robe in their house but anyway it seems just like weird like that's pretty traumatic <laughs> it's never picked up again uh, they just like show they show the smoke coming out of the I guess she's in like the pantry or something in the puppies like right the, outside. The kitchen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They just show smoke coming out of the door and then the family gets home, the father runs in, and then they just cut to a year later and and poor Maria doesn't get mentioned again. But to my mind, that's actually not even the most interesting thing about Maria. I think the most interesting thing about Maria is how much she loves being a maid. Yeah. <laughs> she is one of these, like in these kind of movies... Like cops love being cops, maids love being maids, teachers love mm. being teachers. Like there's this really, like the characters are these pure expressions of like bad ideas about what it feels like to work. Um, but I think there's even a moment where like she wants to, she's like asking if she can work late or like go, I forget. Do you guys remember that? She says like, she, comes she either back wants to go for the birthday party, I think. He, yeah yeah because she just like she can't get enough of being a maid (laughs) she just wants to go back (laughs) i love that well we haven't even talked about the scene uh where the great dane uh pulls the birthday cake off the table uh because it's so scared by the the satanic puppy 
the devil puppy. Yeah. We haven't seen a dog push something off a surface in a long time, you guys. <laughs> it felt really good. It felt really good, it even did. though they couldn't, even yeah. though they couldn't do it all in one shot. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, you can tell they're faking it. The dog's not really pulling it off the table. Uh, yeah. It felt really nice to see that. It used to be in a cinema animals film. If you saw something at the edge of a surface, you knew a dog was going to knock it off. No. And it hasn't happened in, in probably a year. The daughter, Bonnie and Charlie, the two kids are, they're already kind of possessed by the dog, right? We skip ahead. They're yeah. Possessed. Yeah. Yeah. Only the mom is not, the mom and father are not yet possessed, uh, but the mom gets possessed pretty much right away. And again, the possession is very subtle. It's the dog chasing her through the house in a shot where you can tell she's having to wait for the dog to catch up. And there's, I mean, there's an incredible sequence, which I'll, I mean, it's my scene squealer where she's reading a magazine and every time she looks up, the dog mm. is a little closer to her, but mm -hmm. the dog is yeah. sitting and cocking its head very cutely. And like, like you can very much feel the trainer uh, directly off screen with the ball. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to make sure we don't get too far ahead. Is this before or after the dog tries to possess the dad but can't? This is, I think, uh, after, like after when the dog that. tries to possess him. Okay. So you're talking about the lawnmower scene. Because that's important. Yeah, the lawnmower scene is important because it sets us up to realize that it's a film where, like, the patriarchy has to rescue his kind of like crazy wife and kids. Yeah, it's very interesting that the dog is able to basically effortlessly possess the daughter son and wife but cannot mm -hmm. possess the man of the house the he dad. can't take over against like the hard rationalism of a white man yeah a white man with like yeah. a very normal factory he, he works in some kind of industrial capacity he's 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 a straightforward guy he's a workaholic too <laughs> yes yes and that's the one thing satan cannot handle <laughs> so it is very strange like there's no there's no i, I like that they don't make him religious uh, or anything like that. He just did, but it is very funny because it does ultimately lead you to the film. Basically, pretty much states that the reason the dog can't possess him is because he's an adult white male. He's <laughs> like, too grounded in reality yes. to be swept away by the sort of like the feelings and emotions that affect wives and children. I did want to talk a little bit more about the trainer because it's worth noting uh, that uh, the director Curtis Harrington was asked if anything occult happened on set. He said absolutely not. Um, the trainer, however, who gave uh, Kim Richards one of the dogs without telling her parents, uh, Ike Eisenman, who plays Charlie, noted that, uh, he, quote, he was a particularly strange man. He said uh, him, the, the trainers were kind of like carnies. And he told Ike one day, talking about one of the actors in the films, a supporting actor who had a small role. He said, uh, my partner smells death on this guy. It's a quote referring to the dog. And the guy oh. died within a year of cancer. Whoa, whoa! So, huh. so that uh, that's 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 from the DVD extras of Devil Dog. Wow, so, that's great info. So had to go, had to go deep for that one. And I and also so just that, wanted to that's, mention that's oh. Ike telling that story as like a how old is he in that when he's retelling that? He he's definitely an adult. I think he he's he's retired from acting because he was in like Star Trek to. He had a long career, uh, but yeah. not, I think, uh, you know, ever a, a hugely successful one. So he he talks in the interview about being retired. I, I guess he would be in his 40s, probably. The interview I looked see. like it was taken around uh, 2000. Yeah. OK. Um, so, yeah. So that's that's mostly where I'm getting the stuff from. Yeah. I mean, that was the interesting thing about the long interview with Kimberly Richards that's on the disc is she she went on subsequently to experience much greater success as a reality star. 
than she ever did mm-hmm. as an actor. But that was, you know, she started on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills with season one in 2010. So at the time that she was recording her interview for Devil Dog, um, she was just really bored. And there's her interview is like an hour long. Do I, we know I anything? All of it. Do we know anything about her life with the dog who lived for 12 years? I mean, her well, the dog's name was well, the dog that she uh, uh, adopted the from tra- set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giver. Well, the dog, she named the dog Max Doobie because um, she said she was hanging out with older kids who told her to name the dog Doobie. And uh, again, all we know about it is is uh, her, her parents were separated. So the dog lived with her father and it got much, much larger than the family anticipated. And when their father sold their beach house, they got rid of Max Doobie. And that's all she wow. says about it. I would so- like to suggest a kind of um, Balthazar-esque film about the dog Doobie. <laughs> uh that includes this the crazy life of this woman who had all the drama later in her life but the the through mm. line would be the dog you know it would it would start during the making of um devil dog and then it would advance all the way through to the the horrible uh situations yeah that's all good the, that's good the, the, so <laughs> the dogs the dog can't possess the dad so he goes to ecuador which, which is a great a great scene uh where the dad's being possessed to put his hand into the blade of the lawnmower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a good, I was, was watching that with my kids and they were, they were really into it. Were um, they scared about that? Yeah. I mean, they didn't, they've never seen a horror movie, so they don't know like what gore looks like. And I just kept being like, I hope really, <laughs> I think Simon told me this movie is okay for kids. So I'm really hoping we're not going to get a scene where this guy's hand goes into the blade. I, like, and luckily, <laughs> So I had fun with my kids is we're just like, don't, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And it's like getting closer and closer. And then. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. It's like, it's technically okay for kids. This movie. It is. I think it's definitely okay for kids. They were really into it. I watched it like a little bit on Friday night. And then this morning when I continued it, they were sitting with me. They were really, they're also like really kind of at the age where they're interested in the concepts of like heaven and hell so when okay. I was like, yeah, the devil took over this dog, they were like, what? <laughs> like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, that's what the movie's about. And then, yeah, they found it, you know, the uh, which is maybe what upset the director, but they found the plot like, you know, it was like simple enough that they could follow yeah, yeah. along with it. The one dangerous thing about showing it to kids is that there's a, a character who's a teacher who dies, right? And I feel like that could yes. be confusing to kids. Like, I feel like kids shouldn't know that teachers can die. Because it would be yeah, hard. It would be point. hard to focus in class. That's true. Yeah, they did. Afterwards. They did see that scene, and but I don't think they. I don't think they really understood that that guy was a teacher, since you don't see him actually in a school. That's helpful. And like, and he. Yeah. The only time you see him is when he's like at the family's house late at night to yeah, talk about yeah. the child, and that's unusual. Yeah, that's right. odd. Yeah. Uh, and and that is when what's the name of the demon dog? Baff. Bargest, Bar- Bargest. Yeah. That's when Bargest reveals itself in all its terror, which is the special effect that uh, Curtis Harrington was particularly embarrassed and disappointed by. It does look kind of just like the dog is wearing a feathered boa um, <laughs> yeah, or, or yeah. Like right, kind of a lion's right. mane and is just like superimposed. I, the special effect is not that convincing. Um, I'm going to I'm going to spell Bargest really quick just for the listeners. Is oh, that this right? is good. This is good yeah. stuff. English. Um, all right, it's uh, Barguest, B-A-R-G-H-E-S-T, Barguest. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yep. Well, and Mikhail, obviously this is a film that really uh, would appeal to you because there is a moment in this film where a person is uh, <laughs> taken to a therapist. Uh, Richard Krennic goes to see a doctor 
and we, we don't we're see told later. Yeah, well, we, don't we don't see, see it, the... but we're told later that he was taken to see a psychotherapist. Yeah, which he, you know, is very adamantly opposed to. Well, he says, "I don't have time to spend months, you know, lying on a couch." Because <laughs> he's not—he's a fucking normal guy. He doesn't have any problems. He doesn't. <laughs> well, he has problems, but they're not—they're—they're they're external. He's trying to. Yeah, his problems are his yeah. wife and kids. He has no problems. Well, and the demon dog really ultimately the de- is yeah, the, yeah, is the, yeah, the yeah, devil yeah. dog uh, is really the issue. A, a mental health uh, therapist is not going to help you with a demon dog. I don't well, think. what would what would you? I I I just wanted to know. I mean, we don't really get to see what this therapist says to him. <laughs> but but like kind of but I would like to know like what you know what would you have done differently how would you have handled it because obviously it doesn't it's go a great well. question Richard really Kerner rejects question. rejects therapy he rejects the path of self healing he continues to look outward for you know his issues <laughs> uh, and he goes to Ecuador and figures out from a shaman how to ultimately defeat the devil dog but how would you have handled that better the question is would I believe him you know yeah that the dog is I, I would ask him uh, you know what he wants to do about his problem. Um, is he trying to get rid of this dog? Yeah. Are there circumstances it. where you have to like, say you have a, a patient who is like, you have like figured is schizophrenic or is delusional in different ways. Is, is mm-hmm. it ever advisable to participate in the delusion? Like to see what yes. would happen? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Cause if they come in and they say like, I don't have time to spend four months lying on the couch. I got a devil dog at home. And you say, that's absolutely right. Then they leave and it's not your problem anymore. <laughs> or no, I thought you were going to say that's absolutely right, and then you get in the car with this person oh, and you drive. And you help yeah, them. that's yeah. what I thought. Oh. Yeah, like how many oh. devil yeah. dogs have you assassinated? That's for, for work. I'm not going to answer that on air. I can't say <laughs> that's that. true. That's a what is it? Uh, yeah, that's a hippocratic oath. Well, hippie, hippie I, compliant, I, but if if I can provide my downer moment of the episode, I don't want to end end your therapy corner. If you have more yeah. advice that's of help to the listeners, if, if they're going through a similar situation. Um, but I, I do have a bit of a downer downer moment. Oh no. Uh, so there's a moment in this film where uh, the dad is at home and he's watching on TV and there's a news broadcast about someone who's isolated themselves in a building and they're shooting people. The woman they're interviewing like his wife and she's like, it's the dog. He said like, our, well, after our neighbor's dog moved in, it told him to kill all those people. And I thought, huh, 1978, 1976 was the son of Sam murders. Uh, when David Berkowitz claimed that his neighbor's dog, Sam, mm. uh, was possessed specifically by uh. a demon and telling him to kill people. And he ultimately revealed that that was a hoax, that that was just to kind of get attention. Like, uh, mm. But I think at the time in 1978, he didn't admit that yet. So I was Whoa. actually kind of looking at this and I was like, oh, this is like a Son of Sam script. Mm. They took the son of Sam murders and kind of did a little tasteless supernatural TV movie here. And maybe that's why Curtis Harrington is so embarrassed of it. Richard Crenna's character goes down to Ecuador, talks to a shaman. This is when it really starts to feel less like a cinema animals nights film and more like a cinema animals film. And that we have very long sequences of Richard Mm -hmm. Crenna looking at rocks, um, very long Mm -hmm. conversations with the taxi driver. And then the shaman scene is quite slow. Uh, it also does not. Ver- I mean, I haven't been to Ecuador, but like, so I don't really know what Ecuador looks like. But it, I, I just feel like it doesn't look the way it does in this film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, they were just like they just yeah. made the taxi cab look really shitty. That's yeah, what they, they just, thought Ecuador looks <laughs> like graffiti on a taxi cab, basically. Um, and then like filmed the scene in Griffith Park. Can I say uh, one I, more thing about this? Actually, I have a, 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 I think probably the most important question I had was. Um, 
whether or not you guys were reminded of anything in the Ecuador sequence, because it, it looked so familiar to me. And then I realized that I thought it looked a little bit like the cave. What was the movie with the dinosaur and the egg that hatches? Oh, Rex. It looked mm. just, it really reminded me of the cave and Rex. And I had the same thing where like <laughs> an indigenous person had to like take mm. you out of the normal world and into the, like the, the inner sanctum uh, of, of, of like indigenous knowledge or something. Yeah. I really, I wondered about that. That's what we do on Cine Animals <laughs> Nights. We make connections. Oh, um, I did want to also add that when he, that before he goes to Ecuador, he goes to see kind of like a good witch, which is another very long scene. Uh, right. you know, where, where he's kind of told the history of the demon dog, you know, Richard Crenna is trying to get that, you know, maybe the supernatural is real. Uh, and she has a cat and the cat is super mellow. And like the movie bothers to show <laughs> the cat being mellow. And I thought that was yeah. very interesting. Cause that to me felt like Curtis Harrington, you know, despite what he claims uh, again, I would say that like, this is a very well shot film. The production design is great. The costumes are terrific. The cast is as good as you could possibly hope for given the material. Uh, and this is one of those little moments where I felt like he put a little authorial intent in dogs, bad cats. Good. Should we take this opportunity to sort of appraise the dog in devil dog? Yeah. Uh, I could never find any information on the actual dogs in particular. Um, the, uh, Ike Eisenman says that he remembers there being about three dogs total playing the dog and, uh, that, but that's not supported. I did want to also note that the, I thought it was just as a filmmaker, I thought it was enjoyable that the director describes working with the dog as absolutely horrible and the <laughs> dog wouldn't do anything right. And he hated it. And all the actors interviewed on the disc and the producer all love the dog. Uh, oh, the producer, great. the producer notes that he himself had a pet German shepherd uh, who he loved, which is why he wanted to work with another German shepherd in the film. Cause he just loved German shepherds. I thought that was very funny. Huh. Um, given the director's desperation to not work with the German Shepherd. Well, we were going to talk about the performance of the German Shepherd, which I was going to agree with the director doesn't it's do not very great. much. It's not great. Doesn't do much. The dog is named Lucky, right? Is that the name they give the dog? In, yeah, yeah. The, in the film. It's like Earth, Earthbound name, Lucky. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes. Lucky, the other complaint I have is that like there might not be as much dog in this movie as I wanted. That's a valid yeah. criticism. I might have wanted that my one complaint about this movie might be that I wanted like 15% more dog. Yeah, valid. That's true. You know, I, I think that is really a, a totally strong criticism of this movie. One that's really hard to deflect. I, I think maybe, you know, I see the dog's performance and I see the amount of dog that's in the movie. And, you know, to me, it feels like, oh, he's getting a surprising amount of footage, given what this dog appears to be capable of. You know, we see a lot of the dog, given that all it seems to be able to do is sit still and run. Uh -huh. um, mm. And 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 I mean, hearing that the only way they could get the dog to the dog to focus was by holding a ball slightly off camera. If you were to rewatch Devil Dog, or if you, the listener, watch Devil Dog: The Hound of Hill after listening to this episode, likely likely to probably be a, a big phenomenon. Um, you can really fucking tell that the dog is looking at a ball. Uh, yeah. and it's really yeah. cute. It's it's really cute. The dog's ears are up. Its head is cocked to the side. You can tell its tail is just like so ready to wag. Uh, <laughs> and and I just felt like the I just felt like they used probably every usable frame. Well, that's a I good guess. point though. The the dog looked like it probably had fun making yes. this movie, and that's something that's a, we yeah. don't see that much in animal movies. 
And we do care about that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I guess at the end of the day, I just feel as though if you can't get the dog to do enough stuff, if all you can get the dog to do is sit still and run, then you're not ready to make a dog movie with the word dog in the title. <laughs> like you got to find a different dog. Like you just got to keep looking. Mm. All right. So what the, what the dad learns in the Ecuadorian cave uh, is among the more preposterous things like plot wise that we've encountered, which is that like the shaman is going to draw a pattern on his hand. And if he holds that pattern up to the dog's eyeball, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, the dog will burst into flames. We're told kind of the entire time, like like if you look at the dog and the dog's demon form, you'll die and instantly go to hell, uh, which mm. we kind of see happen to the teacher where the dog rises up from the foot of the bed, which mm. uh, supposedly was the big set piece in the script. And again, the effect in the film is is not quite as <laughs> remarkable. But um, but yeah, so we see that like if you look at the dog and it's like feather boa form, it's really bad for you. So, but then we see the dad that Richard kind of looks at it a bunch of times, but yes, he's going to deflect that by having something drawn on his hand. I guess he doesn't wash his hand for days. Yeah. He has to fly all the way home. Yeah. It, it, I, I wasn't quite sure how that worked. And his hand glows and the dog explodes. And uh, but he goes why does he go? Why is he at the factory in that scene? Okay. I was honestly, I it's... was really hoping you guys would know that. So, <laughs> Let me, I'm going to start talking it through and see if I can figure it out. So the dad has the thing on his hand. He flies home. He's then in my memory, he's like on the drive home from the airport and it's late at night and he sees Lucky, not yet yeah. in bar guest form, but he sees Lucky and follows Lucky like behind, like Lucky's leading the way in the dark, mm -hmm. but then it just cuts to Lucky's kind of like prancing into the factory where I think the dad works in mm -hmm. a paper yes. paper pushing well, context. Well, the yes. dad says something like, I'm going to lead. Yeah. He, or like, uh, like, all right, okay. fine. Like, like this is this, you know? Yeah. So he, he drives the dog kind of into a trap. Like, like we think by going to the factory, maybe lucky falls into the factory and then, okay. And then he's able to show his hand to lucky in I, yeah, the best okay. place. I guess it, it's it's it it thematically it works because the dad lures the dog to the place where he is most rational to his place of work. Yes, mm. thematically where he sorts thematically things out. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I'll buy that. Except that the dog is basically just like can't handle just like effective capitalism. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, I was guessing it was just for they thought, oh, this is a good set piece for us to shoot at that we have totally yeah totally yeah but it's not really mm -hmm. but i mean yeah, I, I, they did their best they did their best yeah. um and then then he goes home and his wife is normal and his children are normal right yeah and then yeah and, and then they go on vacation in the it ends with ike eisenman saying you know dad whatever happened it was a litter of 10 puppies whatever happened to the other nine puppies and oh and then the yeah yeah a chill a chill strike it's chill, that you know yeah. You invented recently, Simon, the oh no moment. And um, for me, that was the oh no moment because I worried that there might be like nine more of these movies that we were going to have to watch. Well, on the on the disc, <laughs> the producer makes it clear that he would love to make a, a sequel or, or follow up because he thinks because he did anticipate this as a franchise that was setting up a sequel. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, clear. Yeah. The reception of the film uh, did not uh, merit one. Uh, um, you know, I didn't realize that Curtis Harrington like hung out with the uh... Maya Darren and Kenneth Anger and was like yeah he, he, he in the experimental like 70s experimental film world 
Yeah, I, 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 again, I don't know enough about his career. I know that his like that in the like his fifties in the nineteen fifties, he did what looks like a bunch of like art films that led him to kind of start doing these a little bit off kilter thrillers, which is why he has a huge mm. following and and you know kind of I think posthumously uh, his reputation has only gotten better. I, I believe he died in two thousand seven, but um, yeah, I'm totally ignorant of his work. So I, he clearly what? is a person who took himself very seriously as a director and was pretty goddamn pissed off that he made Devil Dog. I didn't know until reading his biography that he was gay. Oh. And there was a point in the film where the neighbor George, at the very beginning when the neighbor George comes over uh, at the birthday party and he says something about me and my partner. Hmm. And I thought, oh, is is that this is a really early film to have a, a yeah a, like a gay character and I don't know if that was on purpose or did you, you guys notice that well you know I mean I I kind of reacted the way that I did because I also thought the neighbor was coded as gay at least for like a seventies TV film which right I mean they, you know there definitely were you know positive gay characters in film at the time I don't know in terms of like CBS TV movies though. Uh, yeah. and, and so I, I kind of had the same reaction, which is like, oh, is this like a positive gay character? But they don't really, they don't ever really, you know, make it clear. He obviously isn't a, you know, sexual or romantic character in the film's narrative. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I kind of, that is kind of nice. Mikhail, do you have a scene? I think Simon, Simon did his scene squealer. I did my scene squealer. It's when yeah, the dog's do you... getting closer to the housewife. It's incredibly cute. Yeah, that's mm. a good moment. Do you, do you have one, Mikhail? Um, I can make one up. Well, yeah, don't make one up if you don't. Feel or I, I can do mine <laughs> if you want to think. You can think about yours. Yeah, you have options here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do yours. Let me think a little. All right. So mine is unorthodox. Mine is actually, as I said, I watched this on Tubi. So my scene squealer is actually a commercial that I saw on Tubi. <laughs> oh come during on. This movie. I don't. <laughs> trust me, you're gonna like it, Simon. You're gonna like it. So this I... is a commercial <clears throat> that opens with um. A husband who walks into the kitchen with a bag of groceries and he sets them down and he says, honey, I got the groceries. And the wife walks into the kitchen. She's holding a baby. And she says, did you get the diapers? And the husband implies that he didn't have enough money to get the diapers. And the wife pulls out a box of like junk food cereal, like Cocoa Puffs or something. And she says kind of like angrily, I see you had enough money to get your cereal. And then it cuts to a screen that informs you that this is an ad for like a new payday loan app. And uh, so then, then it cuts back to the two people and in the kitchen, right in that moment, uh, she's like, I can't believe you didn't get the diapers. We're all out of diapers. And then the husband's like, do you smell that? And then it's like the baby shit his pants. And then they're like, do you need some extra money when you're in a tough spot? And then they tell you the name of the app for the payday loans. <laughs> That's good. That's I really enjoyed you retelling that commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Simon? Simon's so mad. <laughs> Mikhail, do you have a scene squealer? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I mean, what I thought, I liked, well, my scene squealer is like what's notable about a lot of this movie where things happen that don't resolve. So like when the dad comes home from work and um, his wife has been, I guess, just newly possessed by the dog. And she's like in the backyard in a nightgown smoking a cigarette. 
Mm. And she seems she seems kind of like really turned on. Mm-hmm. And she says, let's go uh, skinny dipping in the neighbor George's pool. And you're kind of like, wow, she's like acting really weird. She's like, you know, she's and then the husband is like, well, all right, let's do this because his wife has just jumped in the pool and then he jumps in the pool and then and then the scene just ends. (laughs) (laughs) No, they start to they start making out in the pool and then it ends. And then it ends. But still, I was like, what's a TV (laughs) movie? They can't show them having sex in the pool. Is that I mean, I, think I don't it, know. I it, thought I thought like George was going to come out or the I thought I don't know. I just yeah. thought something was going to like then that's a it's, lot of the Yeah. You know, as it's a filmmaker, handled, yeah. I, I, I have to take this criticism really with a lot of interest because I would say that is not a scene that was moving the narrative forward. Uh, and it did its purpose. It served its purpose. And then it was time to move on. If If the neighbor had come out that would to me be wasting time that could be spent on people talking about devil dog. I think what Mikel's noticing is what I noticed in the Maria going into the, her death scene moment, which is that like, it's a scene that gets cut off short, but it, it's not being suggested that things are like implied or like, it's not massaging anything. It's just, it feels like 10 seconds were trimmed that have rendered the scene inexplicable. Yeah. I, yeah. I buy that, but I mean, it might actually genuinely be that they just were like, okay, this is the amount we can show these actors naked under the water before you like see that they're too naked. Um, well, I like did maybe think... the dog, the dog watching them through the bushes and its eyes glow or. Um... There you go. Yeah. Know. Something to like something to wrap it up. It didn't have the right rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of this, that's what it is. Like I was even confused, you know, yeah. After Maria dies, and then it's just like the next day. A lot of the stuff, it's just like the next day um, after. OK, here's another uh-huh. one. after the dad watches Miles, the teacher get killed. It's the nighttime and then he walks in and it's daytime and the whole family's playing ping pong. And he's like, <laughs> did you hear the news? Miles died. And you're right. like, what just happened between like, where was what? what? Like, where? And so a lot of the scenes felt like that to me, where the timing felt weird. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm with you on that. I liked it in that scene. I liked it when the boy's like, well, at least I'm not going to flunk English this year. <laughs> there's, good. A, yeah. there's a creepy scene in this movie where he's told that, like, if he looks at the reflection of someone who's possessed, he'll see their soul, the condition of their mm-hmm. soul. And he uh, he creeps into his daughter's bedroom while she's sleeping and holds a hand mirror in front of her face. And you see that Ooh, she's yeah. kind of like a zombie and the yeah, they never really go back to that. I guess it's just you that, know, like, but yeah, I guess that could have know. been good. Well, I covered up my five-year-old son's eyes. I was really worried that that scene was going to be scary. Well, it, seven... it it could have been, but but they went a different direction with it. And so I don't know. I mean, well, yet to see. My seven-year-old did watch it, but he didn't seem to be scared by it. I don't even. Okay. Yeah, like I, I don't even know if he noticed that the mirror image was that like gross-looking. I mean, it was kind of, but. uh We'll do a trauma. It could be scary. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys watch it? You watched it this morning, Mikhail? Yeah. It yeah, could be scary, like if her eyes flew open or something. It, again, it's kind of missing a stinger. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But, there you go. Yeah. But uh, I also did. I, you make a good point also with your scene squealer, Mikhail, uh, that it, uh, we haven't mentioned Yvette, Yvette Mimou plays Betty, the mother. She's yeah. very good. She's certainly on par with the rest of the cast. Um, but it is 
clear that like one of her signs of becoming evil slash possessed is she becomes sexually interested in her husband yes um that's right. one of the big big yes. reveals that she's evil is that she initiates sex yes uh, yeah. it's, it's, that's yes. a big red flag in this movie and certainly uh we don't see her do that in normal mode so i mean as three men with wives i think we can all admit that that is a very suspicious thing <laughs> i'd be quite concerned <laughs> I'd, I'd instantly call the police um, i mean so, I, did, I i did think for a second maybe you know i don't want to say maybe she had had relationships with the dog because the way she's like smoking the cigarette that's you know oh you know i mean it is i it's unclear what did you say what, relationships with the dog well, yeah, well i, I mean the dog does chase her into a bedroom and then the door slams and when you see her in the next scene she's possessed and she's yeah, smoking I, uh, a cigarette and she's all she looks like she's just had you know had had a good time ooh, and she's like kind of like you know very sexual um, film does that mean the dog fucked the kids too? I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it three paws. Three paws out of three. Yikes! Three um, no, we're doing skunks now. Remember? Yeah. We're uh, doing... Paws are over. Skunks are skunks are how we do it now. Okay, then I give it one skunk. That means you liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I um, too. I too would give it one one skunk. Yeah, I'm going one skunk also. But out of how many? What's the total? Five. I think we said five. Five. Okay, five. Yeah, I would give it one skunk. So actually. that's like we gave it like it's like we gave it eighty percent. I think. Yeah. Well, Sounds are we capable right. of giving things zero skunks? I mean, I wouldn't give yeah. this one zero skunks. To be clear, I'd give it one skunk. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, you can walk mean... into a room and be like, "This room doesn't stink at all." It's hard to imagine. Yeah, like that's a real thing. <laughs> That'd be a hundred percent. You'd give it a hundred percent. Well, I'm not Zero doing skunks. that. One skunk. Great movie. I love it. Cinema animals. Can you line up, um, more? 